You're listening to A Journey in American English. Three hundred forty million people. Around three hundred forty million people live and work in the United States. This is, of course, a massive number. Now, it is by no means the biggest population on Earth. Countries like India and China have much bigger populations, but still, I would say 340 million is a respectable number, more or less. There are a lot of challenges that come with having such a massive population, and one of those challenges that Chris and I want to talk about today is describing what the average person looks like. Now, with a population this size, it's really quite difficult because there are many different walks of life, there are many different cultures, there are many different languages that are spoken with the United States. And while yes, the dominant culture is the American one and the dominant language is the English one, still, your experience can vary from state to state or city to city. Therefore, it would be a grave mistake to say all Americans are like this. And we don't think that any sane person would ever say all French are like this, or all Germans are like this, or all Japanese, Chinese, etc. Everyone is unique in their own experience. However, there is no denying that culture, geography, language, etc., shape the way you think. And if a lot of people are exposed to the same stimuli, then it is, of course. Reasonable to believe that they would be similar in some way, shape, or form. However, in today's episode, Chris and I want to do our best to provide a depiction of what the average American might look like, might believe, what their hobbies might be, what kind of sports they like, what kind of food they eat, where they might work, etc. And as I said before. This is a very broad and vague topic, so it is impossible to say everything. But nonetheless, we hope that we will be able to show you more of American culture and more of what the average person in the U.S. could look like. With that being said, let's begin. Hello, welcome back. <laughs> hey everyone, how's it going? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How have you been this week? Pretty good, pretty good. It's starting to uh, turn into spring, slowly but surely. Same here. It's uh, there's still some snow clinging to the ground that's been compacted over the months and that just will not die. But a few days of 50s and 60s, and we're getting there. Really. Uh, no, we had a big snowstorm three, four weeks ago. I don't want to call it a snowstorm, but for Germans, it was a snowstorm and that's all gone now. So it was kind of chilly this morning, but it's for the most part, it's getting up there in the, the, the sixties and seventies slowly though. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it, but (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) everyone in montana right now is super sensitive to the heat i was in the office a few days ago it was mid 50s outside never everyone in the office is like it's so hot in here let's open the door and let this cold wind blow in here (laughs) and i think they're crazy but 
Pe- uh, people get like that here as soon as soon as uh, it seems like it's going to be warm for the rest of the year. It's like they trick themselves into thinking it's hot right away. I do that too, but I'm not sensitive to the heat. I, well, maybe a little bit. I don't like it when it's hot. I like it when it's warm. So that's why I love spring. Anything above oh, 70 degrees Fahrenheit uh, is too is way too hot for me. It's weird saying Fahrenheit because here in Europe, everyone uses Celsius. So I have to convert real quick in my head, even though it should be the other way around because Americans, as an American, I should be very familiar with Fahrenheit, but I've kind of lost it a bit. <laughs> oh, you know, I could use you as my as my uh, personal converter. Do you know ballpark about what the Celsius is of 100 Fahrenheit? Of 100 Fahrenheit of Celsius? No. Ah, uh, that's too bad. No, uh, Celsius. I wish we did use Celsius. I mean, on paper, it's it seems so much better. Wait, a hundred uh, degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit. A no, hundred degrees Fahrenheit in Celsius. Ah, okay. I thought the other way around. Okay, a hundred degrees Fahrenheit in Celsius. That would be something like 40, 50 ish, maybe like fifty degrees Celsius somewhere around there. So okay, that's not that's not too crazy to remember. Like for um, the a good reference is zero. So in Celsius, zero is where water freezes. And right, and that's in, why it's so great. In Fahrenheit's 32. So in Celsius, zero water freezes at 100 water boils. Um, but you, you'd be dead by 100 anyway. So um, for temperature, so, so for like livable temperatures, it's somewhere between, I would say, minus 10 degrees Celsius and uh, like, 35 45-ish usually that's what you have when they do like temperature on the news um anything beyond 45 50 you'd probably be dead <laughs> so um yeah i i will keep that in mind when i'm traveling internationally yeah definitely yeah it's super important uh, a funny story and then we can move on to our topic when i first moved to germany i really didn't realize that they use celsius although everyone knows that Europeans use it. And so when I got my first oven, it only goes up to like 250. And I was like, this is a terrible oven. It only goes up 250 degrees. Whereas in the U S most ovens go up to around like 400 ish, maybe, um, or at least like the cheapest ones go up to at least 400. Um, and then I realized 250 degrees Celsius, which is about what you would get in the U S so yeah, fun, funny stuff. Right? Did did you did you uh, char some food? Oh, definitely. At the beginning, I burned a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or That's when a good you way to learn. Yeah. Or when you tell you'll people not, you'll not make that mistake again. No. Or when you tell people it's uh, seventy degrees outside. I remember I told my wife it's seventy degrees, and she's like, "Like, how are you still alive when it's seventy degrees?" Because, like I said, seventy degrees Celsius, like you'd be dead. Like you're not going to survive that um that's like 120 degrees fahrenheit or something and just yeah funny stuff but anywho uh so what do we want to talk about today other than the weather and temperature so today we want to talk about uh the average american and more specifically how the average american both does and does not exist in that there is several different kinds of average american and they live pretty different lives So I kind of wanted to relate this back to something we were talking about last week, and we didn't really talk too much about, uh, which we were talking about bowling, specifically bowling leagues. 
which uh, at least in my city, every bowling league I've ever heard about. I know there's some that have different times, but most of the ones I know about are 6 p.m. Uh, on a weeknight. And I have one friend who's in a weekend league, but most of them are on a weeknight. So because of that scheduling time, a lot of the people in these leagues are seven to four, eight to five, you know, office workers. And a lot of them are not office workers, but just happen to have that nice, what we would consider average scheduling, Um, which is something I'm getting used to having never had a schedule like that in my life, but, but I've been on one for the last two or three weeks. Um, I'm living what is considered probably to be the most average American life right now. And it is as some aspects of it are just so alien to me. It's taking some getting used to, I, I definitely feel my internal clock slowly <laughs> adjusting, but I wake up, I'll wake up after like nine hours of sleep and like half of me feels amazing and ready to go. And the other half of me just wants to go back to bed for another 12 hours. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. So I do a lot of freelance work, so I can pretty much determine when I get up and go to bed and when I work. So I don't have a set schedule, but I do create one for myself. So I get up every morning at six or six twenty, depending on if I'm lazy. Um, so I get That's up very every- healthy. <laughs> yeah. Every day. I don't like getting up at eight. Like the only times I get up late is when I'm sick. Cause I sleep a lot more. Other than that, I get up at six, but uh, you mentioned bowling and it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was in high school, which was high school was also the topic of last week's episode or part of it, bowling was considered a sport. So when we were doing gym or PE, for those who don't know, PE is physical education. Um, in some countries they call it sport or sport education or something like that. Anywho, we had to go to a bowling alley for one month. So we did one month tennis one month bowling and i think like a month of like golf or soccer i can't remember and you would do these straight yeah like you would one month we would be at the bowling alley the next month we would be at the tennis uh, court and then another month at, at the golf course and then the semester was over and that was only once of uh, one semester for uh for pe though like the next semester we did like football and soccer i, I don't remember but that sounds pretty great yeah well at the time i hated it i hated bowling um I haven't bowled probably in like 10 years, maybe, maybe like 15. It's been a long, long, long time. But this trope of like bowling being the average man's sport or the average person's sport, we want to be inclusive. <laughs> uh, you see that in a lot of movies and like in a lot of series too, where uh, the guys get together after work and they go to the bowling alley. So yeah, have- complain about the day, have their, have their drinks and, and even even more leaning into the the idea of average, uh, when you think professional athletes, you know you're thinking, you know, peak physical specimens. Um, I'm not there. You know, you can be a professional bowler, and um, a lot of these guys are in decent shape, but you know they're not. You know, ten pack washboard abs you know, 3% body fat kind of guys. No, and that that ties into what we said last time about. The, the, the word sport is so, or competition really, is so ill-defined. Anything that is competitive can be a sport. You can turn pretty much, they, you can turn Frisbee into a sport. 
You know what I mean? So it, anything that, that is competitive in nature can be considered a sport, really. So uh, that's why I don't like the word sport, because it doesn't mean anything, because it means everything. But yeah. So what are some like, in your opinion, so what are some like other average aspects of like the average person in the U.S.? So, and, and I was just thinking about this because it's, it's been this new life I'm living has been so much to take in. It's so radically different from any, every, anything I've really lived. So it's hard to like think of everything at once that's different, but I have every day. I know when I will come into the office. I know when I will leave the office. I know when I will go to lunch to the minute. And this might change a bit in the future. Partially it's because I'm new right now and I'm still in a pseudo training phase. So in the future, when I'm on a team, if you know there's a need for it, I might push my lunch back 20 minutes or maybe stay late 20 minutes. But you know, that's that's nothing compared to you know a lot of other lines of work. And I will always have Saturday, Sunday off. And I, you know, I'm gonna start having benefits and I'm gonna start accruing PTO like and a paid you know holiday paid time off and these are just these are just things that are normal to so many people they're a given and for you know so many other Americans it is absolutely just not is just not something that they will experience in their in their professional life yeah and that's a real shame so if you if we just hop over the pond to like Europe for example it's really a given that you have a set amount of weeks so like three or four weeks off a year and that they're paid if you have a child you get a certain amount of uh, paid vacation as well that's not the same as your regular vacation um i know for example in missouri uh, a lot of companies don't give you that and if you get sick for example um you have two op you have a couple options so one option would be you take vacation so you don't take a sick day you take a, a vacation day or you get a sick day. So you have vacation and sick days. So you have like two sets or you just don't get paid for that day. So you just stay home for a couple days and you don't get paid. And that's so like odd. That's just, it's very jarring when you compare that to a lot of countries where uh, if you're sick, you're sick. So I've talked to plenty of friends who say like, yeah, I can't be sick anymore. I've used up my sick days. And to me, he's like, well, what does that even mean? You know, so absolutely. Um, I <laughs> I think that is just a given everywhere. That's how life is here. If you're lucky, you have yeah. sick days. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you don't want to get sick because, uh, <laughs> as a lot as a lot of people may or may not know, the American healthcare system is very, uh, very expensive. So and and complicated. Very expensive. Very complicated. Um, That'll probably be a topic for another episode. Uh, you could write. You could we do a could whole series. Do three episodes on that. Yeah, you could do a whole series on on healthcare in the world. But yeah, so um, yeah, that's how it was when I was in the U.S. When I was working in a warehouse, having like you know doing a nine to five. So that's what a lot of people say. It's like a nine to five because you know eight hours, or some do like eight to four. But really if you want it like for like an American English, it would be like having a nine to five would just be like a, a regular 40 hour job. Um, ups and downs though. Yeah, absolutely. There is, there is a certain charm and less scheduled life. Although um, 
it's definitely better to have one, especially for me. Uh, just I'm I'm a I'm fairly ADHD as a person, yeah. and I don't enjoy scheduling. But if I don't have it, I just kind of fall apart. I I kind of need it to stay on track in life. Yeah. So I, I've definitely noticed since I've gotten on this kind of consistent schedule, uh, even outside of work, I just. I'm more tired, but I just feel the need to do things. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not putting anything off. Oh, I need to call this person. Oh, I need to do this laundry right away. Oh, I need to do the dishes. It just seems to just happen. Yeah. So for those who don't know uh, what, what ADHD is, it's basically an abbreviation for a very long word. <laughs> uh, attention. What is it? Attention hyper deficit. Attention disorder. deficit hyperactive hyperactive disorder there you go which basically means it is very hard for me to focus on things and uh stay on top of things but sometimes i'll be hyper focused on something for a short amount of time and when that happens it feels like you know you're a superhero yeah but it's hard to do and it's not very consistent (laughs) it's not it's not a good trade-off yeah, but having a, a scheduled life is, is pretty good. Although, you know, you don't have a lot of free time, but having the weekends off is uh, is pretty good. So I know if like the average person, like you see this as a trope in a lot of movies, that it's Friday. So you have, for example, what is it called? TGI Fridays? Or thank God it's Fridays? Yes. Yeah, yes. and that's kind of ties into the culture that it's Friday you go out, you you have fun with your friends, you go drinking, uh, you go partying, clubbing, I don't know. And then you just kind of spend the weekend just doing whatever. And then Monday rolls around and it just starts all over again. Whereas like in a lot of countries, like for example, in Germany where I'm at, you don't really have much of a weekend because everything is closed on Sundays. So you only have Friday and Saturday to do stuff. And on Sunday, you're just out of luck. Um, everything's closed on sunday everything except like churches and like hospitals and stuff like that but uh, you couldn't go to a grocery store or a no restaurant? you can do that so it well no wait sorry no grocery stores are closed <laughs> uh what? The, yeah yeah they're closed so you have to do all of your shopping on saturday um and if you don't then yeah you're out of luck you could go to the gas station gas stations are open so uh, like gas stations hospitals uh, police stations uh, train stations like stuff like that uh, those things are open, like buses are, are are available too. But anything that's fun or anything you need, like buy food, that's all closed. And if you don't buy anything on Saturday, then you're just out of luck. And you're you're eating gas station sandwiches on Sunday, I guess. Yeah, and you're paying five bucks for them too. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that is so bizarre to me. I I get irrationally irritated. When I try to go to a local restaurant in town here and they're closed on Sunday, I'm like, oh, don't they know how much business they're missing out on? Which yeah. is a bad thought to have. I should not be thinking that. But the but the thing <laughs> but it's a very American thought. Yeah, that's true. But the thinking behind that in Germany actually ties into the average beliefs of average Americans, which is most Americans, at least the way I see it, are some form of Christian. And for I, I'm sure everyone knows what Christianity is, so we don't have to explain it. But you have, you know, the, the, God created the world in seven days, and on the seventh, you rest. 
So God worked for six days and on the seventh, you know, he, he rested, so, so to speak. And that's the reason why a lot of the shops here in Germany are closed and in other countries too, because a lot of these European countries are, well, Christian. And as a Christian, you don't work on Sunday. Uh, it is somewhat old fashioned because the demographic, especially in the US and in a lot of European countries is changing. So people aren't as religious as their parents. So this aspect of not working on Sunday seems kind of old fashioned to a lot of Germans and they kind of hate it. But, you it, know, it does a bit to I think it does a bit to our generation here in America as well. But I like it. I actually think it's good for the simple fact that everyone, for a lot of people in Germany have at least one day off a week. And it's usually that same day. So your whole family has off and you can go visit your family. You can go visit your friends. And there's none of this like, oh, I have to work on Sunday and they work on Saturday and you can't see each other. So I actually think it's a positive. And I think America could benefit from that. But I doubt they would do that because, you know, capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the here's the introvert in me. This is something yeah. I've not really liked about being in the office life Monday through Friday. When it's yeah. a day off of mine and I want to go out and do something, run an errand, grocery shop, whatever I need to do, everyone else is too. I'm so used to like, oh, my day off is Tuesday. Who's grocery shopping at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday? Nobody. So that's when I'm going to go. Yeah, oh, that's great. That That's the thing. So a lot of because people are working longer hours in the U.S. So it used to be you get up at you go to work at nine, you get off by four or five and you'd spend like uh, the rest of the time with your family. That was pretty much the way it was. And now a lot of shops have are open 24 seven, seven days a week, uh, whenever you need them. And sometimes I would get up at three in the morning and just go to Walmart because I wanted something. And a lot of that mentality of uh, being always open has seeped into other cultures as well. So now it's also become like the average, the norm that your shop is open till midnight. So when I first arrived here, uh, every shop was closed by like 6 p.m. And so like even the supermarkets, they were closed by 6 p.m. And I was like, who closes a supermarket at 6 p.m.? That's like, and, so bizarre. Yeah. And like in the U.S., it's like a supermarket is always open or at least Walmart or Walmart like never closes. Yeah. And, and each year it would get longer and longer. So it was not 6 p.m. It was 630. Then it was seven. Then it was 730 and so on. And now most of the shops here are open till like 11 at night. And it was just, and so you see how, how different the, the averages are. Um, the average people, I mean. So here's, here's a question I have for you. Cause yeah. this is something that it's like, uh, as far as I know, this is how it's done on average in America. Local business owners traditionally take Sunday off yeah, and they take Monday off because those are going to be the two slowest days for them. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't do that. Most businesses are open really from Monday to Friday. Unless it's like uh, a pizzeria. They, For whatever reason, they love taking Mondays off. So they'll actually be open on Sunday, but they usually take Monday off. And a lot of, the, and I don't know why, um, but a lot of the pizzerias here are either Turkish or Italian. Maybe that has something to do with it. I have no idea. Ooh, Turkish pizza. I have no idea what's on that, but that sounds amazing. Oh, I mean, it's not a Turkish pizza. It's just Turkish people making pizza. <laughs> oh, so I'm sure it's still amazing. Oh, no, it's definitely. Pizza. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Turkish people can cook pretty well. So uh, I like their food. But um, 
Yeah. And the then like the average thing that unifies, I would say, all states in the US, but also is always different is minimum wage. So this idea that you should get a minimum amount of money for your work, which is also a, a new concept to a lot of countries. A lot of countries don't have minimum wage. Germany didn't have minimum wage up until five years ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So technically speaking, let's say, for example, you're unemployed. So you go to the, the unemployment office and um, you need money from them. And they would say, okay, you can get money, but you also have to do this job. And so there is this loophole that the government used to play with the numbers so that the unemployment rate looked a lot lower than what it really was. And they would give you these one euro jobs. So basically you would go work somewhere for one euro an hour for eight hours, and then you wouldn't count as unemployed. Um, and whatever money you didn't get. So like, let's say you, you need a living amount of, I don't know, 800 euros a month. So through your small job, you would probably earn 50 euros a month but you wouldn't be considered unemployed and the government would give you the rest. And they got, they got rid of that once they got unemployment. But when I was a kid in high school, so most kids in the U S usually have some kind of job. Uh, I don't know if you had one. I worked. I, at, I, I had a couple summer jobs when I was in high yeah, school. Yeah. I worked at McDonald's <laughs> the most oh, American. Man. Yeah. The most American thing ever. I worked at McDonald's and when, I was working, the average wage was like six bucks an hour or something or 650, which is nothing. Like that sounds like a lot of money when you're 15, but once no. you're once you're 19, like six dollars an hour is just but that's nothing, you know. And then you have to compare that to like the average prices in the country. So like what does gas cost? What does like bread cost and, and milk and stuff like that? I don't know. What does gas cost where you, where you live? Uh, I think it's gone up a little bit recently, but I think the other day I saw it at 260 something. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that that's a gallon by the way. So in the U S like we use gallons. Oh and, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's liters. In yeah. Europe. Yeah. Do you know how many liters are in a gallon? Uh, ballpark guess 2.7. Oh, around, I think it's like 3.8. Um, ah. yeah, so I just run it up and say for every gallon, you have four liters. And if you do the conversion, uh, in a lot of European countries, you pay around like six to $8 for a gallon of gas. And uh, yeah, I know America by comparison has very cheap gas, but you have to look at it this way. The average American, because the U S is so huge, like the U S is almost as big as the European union, uh, to put it in perspective, you have to drive everywhere. Like there's no, like, let's take a bus, let's ride a bike. Uh, you're not going to take a bike 20 miles to work. Uh, you're going to drive. And that costs a lot of gas. So gas has to be cheap. Whereas in a lot of countries, things are so close that you could actually just walk to work or you could take a bus for like, uh, take the bus for like $2 for like a round trip. So I guess this ties into like uh, the American culture where driving is a right Whereas in a lot of countries, it's a privilege. Um, yeah, driving is basically a necessity here. Yeah. Um, if, if you can't drive your options for employment and social movement and all those kinds of things, you're severely limited. Yeah, that's true. And for a lot of people who don't know, so my wife didn't know this, uh, most Americans don't know how to drive stick. And 
all the cars in the US, the majority of cars, unless you're an enthusiast, are automatic. And uh, I had to learn stick when I got here because there aren't any automatic cars here whatsoever. And that was pretty jarring for me. There's none at all? I mean, very rarely. Um, like there's but no- Germany, re- Germany is a large automaker. And yeah. I think all the German cars I've seen here are automatic. Yeah, because Americans can't drive stick. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So they have to dumb it down for us. No, I wouldn't do it like that because a- after World War II, what happened was is that a lot of the the railway or a lot of the automotive companies bought up the the train companies and the railway systems and they destroyed them so that Americans would become more dependent on cars, they could develop highways, more people would buy cars, and learning to drive stick isn't really that hard but it's a lot harder than automatic. And so a lot of these car companies that used to produce a stick shift, they switched to automatic and that just stuck. And so by like the 60s, 70s, there there were like almost no uh, stick shifts, uh, manual transmissions in the US left. Whereas in Germany, um, that's more of like a a car culture thing. If if people who drive stick feel like it gives you more control over the, the car, which... Mm, I guess it does to a certain it extent. Does. I, I think you sacrifice a small amount of horsepower yeah. uh, moving from manual to uh, or stick to automatic. And it's more fuel efficient or it used to be. Uh, that's a common uh, argument you hear is like do stick because it's more fuel efficient. But that was true 50 years ago. But automatic uh, car. Yeah, I'm sure modern cars are my, my car shuts its engine off halfway when I brake. Yeah, stuff like so that. So It's got to be super fuel efficient. Yeah, and so like generally speaking, like the average person in the U.S. gets their license around, if you're lucky, fifteen and a half. I don't know why they say and a half, but generally sixteen. Yeah, is is that how it is in Montana? Is it sixteen? Uh, yes. So I remember um, when I went when I moved from the eighth grade to high school. I remember there was one kid I I had I graduated uh, middle school with that got his learner's permit over the summer so he was like 14 and a half and it just blew my mind yeah uh i know if you want to do like a motorcycle license it's a bit younger um but yeah that's that that's pretty much it and once you're 16 you can drive to you can drive to school which i thought was like awesome and it 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 really feels like uh in high school the first time you sit in someone's car like someone says hey you want to go to lunch and they lead you to their car and you realize i am sitting in another kid's car and they are driving like yeah at least for me mentally it's like this is a step up in life like not like for me but this is like the next level of growing up this is like going to be a common thing going forward yeah we had we had we had a driver's ed in school and a lot of people say like you should do driver's ed so you get cheaper in- insurance, but I, my insurance wasn't cheaper. Right? So it, I mean it was an easy A, but it was boring as all get out. You had it as a real class? Yeah, I had it as for a real class for an entire semester for three months. And... Oh, that's lucky for you. I had to take <laughs> it as a. You basically have to sign up for it and stay after school. No the program I did. <laughs> if you wanted to drive in the teacher's car, because you could do driving license after school. Then you had to stay after school. But other than that, no, I, I didn't do that. No. That, that was part of our lessons. There would be classroom days and there would be uh, driving days. Yeah. Yeah, we had those too. Um, but 
I didn't really care about that. I just wanted an easy. I just wanted an easy A. And uh, for those who don't understand the grading system, it goes from uh, A to F, except for E. A being the best, F being the worst. So the worst grade, by the way. Or that that is somewhat changed now. Is it? Do this you have is e? something I've recently found out because uh, a friend of mine is a teacher. Yeah. And if you take honors classes, which are just harder, more rigorous versions of the same material. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, it is, you know, the A, B, C, D, but on paper, they're scored uh, four, three, two, one. The higher the number, the better the grade. So your four is your A. Yeah. They can score a five in honors. Which which makes more sense because that's what your GPA is. So your GPA, your grade point average. So after doing all the, uh, the classes in high school, um, you get like an average from zero to four. I don't know how you would get a zero though, but theoretically from zero to four and four yeah. being the best. So, which uh, leads me on to my, like my next point is for a lot of Americans, I feel like you often hear in, uh, in school, like high school is the best time of your life. So you should enjoy it. Um, did you hear that a lot too growing up or like see that in movies, like how people. Um, yeah. I, you know, you hear it in fiction, but I don't, I, I don't think I ever had anyone tell that to me to my face because I think <laughs> yeah. striving for that would be super depressing. Yeah, yeah. At the but but in that moment, like you really feel like this is the best time of your life. And when you're 15, uh, I guess you don't really think about that. But once you get a bit older, you realize like if this is the best time of your life and it's not going to get any better, like what's the point of doing anything? You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> there, there, the only thing I could think about where I really had that moment in high school was like we talked about last week. When I was in the pep band, I realized just how fun and how special of a of a thing it was. Yeah. And I realized once I'm out of here, I'm never doing this again. Like yeah. this is this is a peak of my life, a very specific <laughs> kind of peak. And and for the average person, that peak changes. So it depends on where you stop. So what I mean by that is if let's say, for example, you don't do anything after high school, like you don't go into university then a lot of people say like, yeah, high school is the best time of your life. Cause you know, you had a lot of friends you did like you were on the football team or like you were the cool kid. But if you go into university or if you go into college, then that becomes the best time of your life. You know what I mean? So like college, you should really enjoy it. You should, you know, you should explore in college. It's the best time of your life because after that you're going to work and it won't get any better. But if you get like your first job, and it's relatively easy, then that becomes the best time of your life. That becomes like the peak of your life. And then after that, it doesn't get better. And so the the goalpost gets moved depending on where you stop. And I I always thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Absolutely. And it's probably healthy to keep moving the goalpost yourself. If, if, If you've ever accepted that you've hit a point of maximum happiness. Yeah. Um, then it's all downhill. I I mean, I've, yeah, I've never gotten close to that. I just, for me, I just keep thinking, you know, wouldn't it be amazing to be at this place in X years? And yeah, I, I can't imagine just deciding, well, life is getting nothing but worse from here. But for like a lot of Americans, I don't know if people outside the U.S. know this, but a lot of people try not to go to university um, for the simple fact that they can't afford it because it's, it's just so expensive. And so you'll often see people who are burdened with debt uh, because of this degree. And that's a very, that's very common, especially among younger people. I remember when Obama was in office, uh, 
a long, 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 long time ago. <laughs> and very he, long time ago. Yeah. And he tweeted uh, that he had just finished off, uh, finished paying off his student debt after like 15 years or something. And, and this was like a grown man, like the president of the U S he's like, I, I, I've just finished paying off my debt. And, but he went to Harvard or, or Yale, or I don't remember, but I mean, it affects everyone. And now they're thinking about canceling debt, canceling a uh, student loan, but it is unlikely to happen of due, course due to is. recent events in American <laughs> politics. The, the minimum wage and student loan forgiveness are unlikely to happen. I it might be it. something certain people will continue to fight for on other avenues. But uh, as of now, um, it did not happen. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of like for the average person, um, you often have a, a prescribed way of living. So you're born, you go to school, you finish school, you go to college, uh, you, you meet someone, uh, then you guys have kids, you have, then we say like a white picket fence, you know, like kind of like this typical house in the 50s where you use like a wooden, a wooden stakes for a fence. You have like a white picket fence and then you have a house, uh, then you have like a boring job and you have a wife and kids. And that has always been like uh, the set way to live your life. And that was the way it was up until I would say like the sixties or seventies. And then that just yep. all went downhill from there and life became too expensive. Yep. It's becoming slow. Well, it, it did. And it still is becoming slowly and slowly more unobtainable. Yeah, definitely. You often hear like when I was your age, I bought my first house and, and then grandpa tells you that. And then you look like, okay, when did he buy his first house? And his first house was in 1950. And then you realize like a, a house back then cost me like, a two-year salary or something and there's no way you could do that houses are way too expensive now absolutely even even in some of the cheaper places in the world like montana yeah but american houses are terrible in my opinion for the simple fact that they're made out of wood and that really bothers me (laughs) what yeah because that that is a, a super american thing is to make your houses out of wood and in most european countries they're made out of cement or brick but you do not have wooden houses here. And most of the houses here are built to last like centuries. And so if you go down to the city where I live, um, you have cent- you have houses that have been around since like the 1300s or that houses that survived both world wars. So like they're built to last. Whereas in the US, you have one tornado and the house is just gone. <laughs> I don't it, know how many. Yes, and it definitely. Well, it, it also definitely depends <laughs> on where you where the house is being built. You That's know, true. Tornadoes, earthquakes, um, humidity. Humidity is a big one. But like you- like here in Montana, it's very dry. Yeah. So things do not rot very fast. But do you guys have tornadoes? Um, not very often. We actually, I think it was around 2010, we had a tornado that hit the stadium we have here in town. Oh, and damn. uh and uh caused a lot of damage it was actually funny because at our fair at our and this kind of ties back to germany so this is fun at our fair that year um the scorpions were coming to play oh yeah yeah and they had to play outside in at like a little (laughs) setup stage by the horse track instead of in the big stadium and they made a joke they made a joke hopefully no no tornado comes tonight but you know maybe a hurricane (laughs) that's funny yeah, I'm surprised you know that they're German. Most people don't know that. 
I remember when I learned I was really surprised um, because I don't, I mean, I'm not a huge Scorpions fan, but you know, everyone's heard Rocky like a hurricane. I don't hear the German accent when I hear that song. But you, that's true of a lot of singers. If you take Ozzy Osbourne though, when he sings, yeah, I would not. I would not think that he's from like he's from England. He does not sound English, and there are some singers who do who do sound English, but a lot of singers train for for that song. Not not English singers, so not singers from England, um, but like from other countries, they train to have like an American accent, and that's why you don't hear it. Plus. You know, and I think it just happens naturally to some people. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a natural phenomenon, um, especially among uh, English speakers. So I, I hate that uh, I have to say from England, but that's what I mean with English speakers. Uh, but yeah, that's that's true. So, so I've been yeah, go on. Oh, uh, I'll say this real quick, then I'll let you hit your point. Yeah. yeah. Before before we uh, reach the end, there is yeah. one more thing I would like to cover as far as the average American goes. But hold, go ahead and finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say I was I'm in the middle of or I was in the middle of tornado country. So we had tornadoes like almost every year, but not a lot of them touch down. But you can see them forming because the sky changes color and the clouds start moving. So you can see a tornado from afar. But I don't know if I've ever actually been in a tornado. I've always been on the edge of one. So we get like a lot of rain and sometimes you get like fish (laughs) because the tornado because the tornado i I, I suppose i suppose that would happen (laughs) yeah it's never happened to me personally but i've talked to plenty of people where like it'll rain fish because a tornado will will go over a lake and it'll soak up like fish or it'll suck up like fish and frogs and then it'll rain them and uh, that's that's pretty common but yeah that that that's all i wanted to say that sounds biblically terrifying (laughs) it was a bit uh, but anyway, one thing I wanted to cover before we run out of time, um, we kind of talked for a while about, you know, the average American worker, the office worker, the eight to five. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about like what I would consider to be the other main average American, uh, that being the retail worker, the food service worker, because uh. I've, I've lived both of those lives for quite a while. The, and it's, you know, you come into work sometimes at 3 p.m., and you stay there until midnight, you get off work, everything's closed. There might be, um, at least in Billings, there's not a lot of 24-7 fast food. I remember yeah. when I learned McDonald's is open 24-7 most places uh, a few years ago. I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Because ours definitely is not. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't think of that earlier. So if people are, are interested in that aspect of the average American worker, which I think you sh- think you should be, I think they should definitely check out the movie Clerks. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I've seen most of it. Yeah, and I. It's think, been a while though. Yeah, it's a. I would say it's an old movie. And saying that it's an old movie makes me feel old because it's from the early two thousands. But that really represents, in a very, I would say, comedic way, the average American retail worker. Like, not necessarily how they work because it's not a documentary, but rather what they think about their jobs. You know, because it's not something that you aspire to be it's really a last resort kind of thing yes no i mean there are some people um in in the in the food industry there are some people trying to you know get in a real fine dining and they're like i love food i love the culinary arts i will go um they have a there's a concept called the stagiaire or staging where you go and it's basically like an internship 
you go to a really nice restaurant and like, I will do anything for free. Just, <laughs> I want to be in this environment. I want to learn. I want to just soak up some knowledge. That Yeah, that's the norm in, in here in Germany and in France. And uh, stage, uh, that's French for internship. So uh, yeah. And or intern, sorry. An internship. So yeah. stagiaire internship. Am I saying that right? Yeah, stagiaire. Yeah. Okay. And you do the same thing in Germany too. You go to after high school or the German equivalent of high school, you uh, decide, do I want to go to the university? Do I want to go to the army or sorry, the military, or do I want to do an internship uh, or a vocation? You can go to a vocational school too and learn a trade. That's also something people do in the U S but learning a trade isn't, I would say super popular. I would say the most popular thing right now is tech. And trying to see how you can get into like tech and coding. Ab- and, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. If Although any- I think trade is or uh, the trades are becoming more and more um, attractive because you can learn them in a year or two, and then yeah, you're making decent money right off the bat. It's definitely underrated. Um, it's definitely underrated, underappreciated. But yeah, doing a trade in the U.S. isn't like your first choice, but it, it is possible. Yeah, but like getting into fine dining, I think that's that's respectable to some degree, or at least people can uh, derive a sense of pride from it. Whereas working at pizza hut or McDonald's, there's no, yes, there's, there's no pride in that to be had unless you own the McDonald's. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and there's also the pride of a job well done, but these are not, and this is more of the case. There's much more people in those kind of restaurants than someone trying to get into their local fine dining establishment. Yeah, that that's true. Um, I thought, and, yeah, go on. And it's sorry, it's just it's it's so it's a very different life. You don't have set days off usually. You might you know come in at eight in the morning, leave at five one day. The next day you'll come back at three p.m., leave at midnight, and the next day you might come there at eleven and leave at nine. Yeah, it's just it's all over the place. You never know what your days off are going to be. I had once when I worked at a grocery store, uh, my manager decided to schedule me for 10 days in a row, but she did it in a way that I would not get overtime because I worked from, uh, I worked the last five days of one week and the first five days of the next week. Yeah. I guess one last point to, uh, with respect to that, and then that'll be it for today. You have basically the problem of wanting to have part-time workers. So it's cheaper for companies to have a multiple part-time workers as opposed to having one. So you could have a person that does, you know, a nine to five, 40 hours a week, but it would be much cheaper just to have two or three people to do a 40 hour shift because you save a lot in taxes and uh, you pay a lot less in social security and stuff like that. And it's overtime. And so it's really hard for the average person to find a, a, a good paying full-time job. And a lot of people are just stuck in like part-time work, part-time. Absolutely. At least for, for Americans, part-time is around like 20, 25 hours a week. Uh, Cause full-time would be around 40 and anything beyond 40 is considered overtime, which has to be paid and you get paid more for overtime. But unless you get paid a set salary. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you're a teacher, you don't get paid overtime. You just get Obama paid. tried to change that as one of the last things before he left office, but yeah. it ended up being blocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what, what, uh, what this new administration brings. 
with that being said yeah so we're out of time that was a very interesting uh, conversation about the Absolutely. average about the average person there's much more that we could say but uh that would go on forever it, you, it would yeah <laughs> do you have anything to add before we go um I, I suppose I would just say keep in mind that when you think of the average American, uh, you need to be thinking of more than one person because there's there's many different walks of life and there's millions of people in them a piece and uh, yeah re- you got to really think about when you hear someone talk about the average American because depending on their perspective they might be talking about radically different things. That's true. If you want to. If you want to get a good idea of what the average American used to look like and now looks like, it, w- it would be worth looking at sitcoms from different decades because you'll see how the average family evolves. And you can start with the show called Brady Bunch from the 70s and then just work your way up to the modern era. At any rate, uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, take care and see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.